I'll be right up front with you. Like, if I was going to move anywhere, it, I would. that's the first thing I would look at. I wouldn't care about the weather. If I was moving somewhere south, it would be snakes that would concern me the most. Saw some footage the other day. Somebody was swimming. It might even have been our guest. We'll get to that in a minute. But there was this big, huge snake. in. The, this is underwater. Immediately, I just like... Ugh. Just made me feel all kind of creepy, and you know what? I, you know what I'm talking about. Well, a team of scientists have identified a new species of giant anaconda. The northern green anaconda is thought to be one of the largest ever. Joining us to talk about it is scientist from the University of Queensland, Brian Fry. Hello, Brian. How's it going? And I should have known you're going to play that song. <laughs> uh, it just—I I don't know what Derek's going to play from one, you know, from one segment to the next. But I did laugh. Uh, is that you in the water <laughs> swimming with this thing? Because if it is, wow. <laughs> no, that particular footage isn't on me. That's one of the study co-authors, Frank Bonk. Um, but I have swam with them before, and in fact, um, with the expedition that we did with the Waironi, there's footage of me and Will Smith with some very large anacondas for the upcoming pole to pole series and that expedition is actually what got us the last key samples to describe the new species okay let's uh before we start talking about how you even get started in this let's talk about so what have we found here what is this northern green anaconda so when you think of the amazon it's not actually two structures there's two basins there's the giant southern basin which is the amazonian basin but then there's a much smaller basin to the north called the Orinoco Basin. And in retrospect, it makes perfect sense that the anacondas should be two species, but of course, everything's obvious when you look backwards. Right. And we've seen other animals split geographically that way. And what we found is that the population in the northern basin is genetically isolated with a staggering 5.5% genetic difference from the southern basin animals. Now, to put that in perspective, we're only 2% different from chimps. So this is a level of genetic difference that passes anyone's arbitrary threshold of what makes a new species. So when you you're talking about the bases, obviously Amazon and Orinoco, uh, I've seen I've seen shows on the uh, Orinoco Basin, uh, which is the one to the north, and they're showing anacondas all the time. So this is a uh, uh, this. How did we stumble across this northern green? Well, it's that classic case of what makes science so awesome. Of it's amazing what you can find. When you look, you know, surprisingly, despite it being one of the most iconic animals in the world, the genetics of the green anaconda had never been done. And the difference, you know, showed that they these two populations diverged almost 10 million years ago. So a very long period of isolation. And it goes beyond just the fact that it's super cool to show that there's another anaconda out there. But the Orinoco-based animals, it's a much more restricted range and... This is also the part of the Amazon where there's rampant oil extraction going on and with accompanying rampant oil pollution from massive spills. So the entire ecosystem is under threat. And of course, your megafauna are always going to be the animals affected the most and soonest. Yeah. Uh, it, I'm almost amazed when we find something new, especially now when you think about the fact we've probably been we've probably been walking by one of these things a few times already are you surprised it's taken this long to find something like this well not really because you know even though we're well recognized globally to be in a biodiversity crisis due to habitat fragmentation and destruction right funding for biodiversity research is pathetic you know it's much easier to get a new grant to find a new viagra than it is to discover new animals and you know critical conservation importance so 
it just underscores that if something as with a state of fame like the anaconda is so understudied, that indicates you know how many other hundreds or thousands of animals in that same region are new species we don't know of, and thousands and perhaps millions of animals globally that we don't know, and we can't protect if we don't know. What's the difference between a regular anaconda and a northern green? Well, the major difference is going to be size, where okay. the northerns are actually even bigger. Wow. The population that we studied with um, Will Smith and the Wairani lands in the Ecuadorian rainforest. Now, the Wairani are that iconic tribe that everybody knows of, even if they don't know the name. The tribe famous for using poison-tipped blow dots. Okay. They were only first contacted in 1958. There's been very few scientists that they've allowed on. So my invitation was a very rare one and one that I'm deeply honored by. And we actually had our Wairani collaborators on as co-authors you know, on the paper. So they were true equal partners in the study. But these populations had long been rumored to be the biggest of all the ones out there. And they're regularly seeing animals in the seven and a half meter mark. Now, to put this in perspective, the longest wow. anaconda with reliable data is 6.4 meters. There's been rumors of ones up around eight, but the data is very sketchy. We got one that was 6.3 on the expedition. They're regularly seeing seven and a half animals. Every animal we got, everyone guessed the length and the Wairani were much more accurate than we were. So if they say that they see seven and a half, we believe them, particularly because Tempena, one of the Wairani, has scars on his arm from an animal that had a head size and a gait much, much bigger than our 6'3 animal. They said that one was about seven and a half, five hundred 500 kilo. And they said that they every few years will see one over eight meters. Wow. So of course, we want to go back and document one, you know, that big, you know, of eight, eight meters and 800 kilo plus. Hey, Brian, I, this may sound like a dumb question, but I don't think it is. Uh, how, how dangerous are these things? I, I'm guessing very. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're not going to view human as prey, but if you screw with them, they will end you. you know, so you can kind of think if they don't start fights, they end them. Yes. And that's why, like, zookeepers, you know, if any anaconda over three meters, for each additional meter, it requires another person. And a friend of mine and collaborator uh, a few years ago was killed by a five-and-a-half-meter scrub python here in Australia that was part of a research collection, and he was working with it unfortunately alone which you're not supposed to with animals that big right and it killed him you know not not try to not to try to eat him but it viewed him as a potential predator and so it defended itself so yes they are very dangerous animals but if, as with everything else if you don't mess with them they won't mess with you and that's why like that footage of frake which is with a southern green anaconda that's in brazil and brazil is actually doing ecotourism now of people snorkeling with anacondas, which I think is wonderful because that brings money to the local economy. This becomes a flagship species. They'll protect the habitat. They'll protect the species. It's much like, you know, with all the hue and outcry a few years ago of Cecil the lion being killed, he was contributing nothing genetically to the conservation of his species. He was past his prime breeding age, but mm -hmm. the hunter that paid $50,000 to lure him out of the national park and kill him that's how much Cecil was worth about every two weeks for ecotourism. So in the immediate um, aftermath of his death, about $600,000 of bookings were canceled, which means millions of dollars was lost once you factor in planes, hotels, associated other tours people would do on the side of coming to see Cecil. So when you have a keystone species or animal like that, they become absolutely critical from that, you know, conservation through commercialization angle, which is why, like, if you think of the 
International Whaling Commission, the original pause on whaling was just so they could figure out how to resume whaling without wiping the animals out. Right. That had nothing to, the IWC had nothing to do with conservation until that pause of whaling happened and whale ecotourism immediately started up. Then they realized that whales are actually worth more alive than dead because, you know, you can photograph it infinitely, but you can only kill something once. Right. So that's why the pause on commercial whaling stayed on because of that conservation through commercialization, ecotourism angle. Hey, Brian, we've only got about 30 more seconds here. How big, like, to put it into perspective for us, how big would the head be on this thing? Um, sort of about the size of a rock melon or a cantaloupe. And okay. then you're talking about a waist, of, you know, the waist of, you know, sort of like the average guy. You know, you're talking about a very thick, muscular animal. Yeah. And, you know, you're talking about an incredible tube of muscle, basically. And that's why, like, that old J-Lo movie, I have to admit, is one of my guilty pleasures. I do trot out <laughs> Anaconda every couple of years and just love it. It's so cheesy. It's brilliant. <laughs> hey, Brian, thanks for your time and uh, joining us from Australia today. Uh, if we if we need more snake coverage, we're calling you, okay? Absolutely. And okay. if you want to move somewhere without snakes, go to New Zealand. <laughs> yes, thank you. You you, you caught that. Uh, yeah. I also know Turks and Caicos have got these little pygmy uh, boas that just are more scared of you than than you are of them. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm searching. I'm searching. All right. Hey, thanks, Brian. Take care, mate. All right. See you later. See Brian Fry joining a scientist at the University of Queensland. Honestly, if you get a chance, take a look at the footage. It, uh, why anybody would be swimming with this thing is beyond me.